0: welcome to saving grace church located in indiana pennsylvania our mission at saving grace church is to love god love others and reach the world for christ we hope that this message brings you closer to god and helps strengthen your walk with christ morning everybody did i forget to turn this on it's on okay good i just can't hear myself hey nice to see you um so about i'm i'm Sound booth, I'm just using this as a prop, so no need to turn it on. Um, about two weeks ago, uh, I was, Erica was there too. We were involved in a school event with parents in which we played music bingo. And it required no skill to play this game. They would just like show a couple of seconds of a music video up on the wall with really, really loud music. And you'd actually see the title and all you had to do was like check it off your paper if you had it and we were playing bingo as part of this thing. I wanna start with a little bit of a musical activity that is hopefully slightly more challenging than that one, Um, but I hope not too difficult. In fact, I'm really hoping that it's kind of easy for you because if it's easy for you, it'll make my point. So no pressure, but get this right, okay? I'm taking a chance here, okay? Here's what we're gonna do. I'm going to sing the first part of a phrase of a song, and when I cue you with the mic, I want you to just finish it, okay? So uh, let me start with a really super easy one that you've probably heard a million times since you were like this big, and you'll all get this one. It goes like this. Head and shoulders. Yeah, thank you. Okay, good, good, good. That's the idea, all right? So I got a few of these. We're just going to test your musical knowledge. Let's back up to the 1990s. You ready? And I will yeah. <laughs> Thank you for... Thank you. Okay, uh, how about this one? This one's super easy. Let's go to the 80s. Don't stop. Yeah, good job. Okay, uh, back to the 70s. We are the champions. Yes, good. Now this one, let's go all the way back to 1969. Might be troublesome for some people, but I think this is one that people from of all ages will probably know this one. Okay, you ready? Sunny day. Chasing the Oh, it's clouds, not blues, Rodney. Nice try. It's the theme from Sesame Street. That works, though. That works. Okay? And then last one, Rodney, you'll get this one. When peace like a river. That's right. Alright, so good job. Now the whole point of that, that was fun. Good job, you guys. All right. The whole point of that was that that was a tiny example, a tiny example of what I'm I'm sure is hundreds if not thousands of lyrics and ideas and phrases that you have stored away in your mind that you'll never forget because they've been set to music. Music is a very powerful gift from a kind and loving God and it has been used well to further His kingdom and to worship His name. And just like every good gift that He gives, it has been twisted and, you know, used poorly. And so I'm sure we unfortunately have some of those things stuck in our head too that we've heard over our lives. But the point is this, songs are effective. They're very effective. They stay with us. Well, today, the reason I say all of that, the reason we played that game is because today we're gonna take a break from the spiritual gifts series we've been in. And we're going to start a new series just for the next couple of weeks throughout the first part of summer that is on the Psalms. And it's called Singing Through Every Season. And my hope is that we're going to be able to learn to use this gift that the Lord's given us effectively to grow in Christ and strengthen in our faith. So let's pray. And then we're going to jump into today kind of like an overview of where we're going in this series on the Psalms. So let's, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful to you for what good gifts you have given us. We're so thankful to you for what you are already doing in this place this morning because it is evident that you are up to something and you do such good things among your people. So Lord, we ask that you would continue this morning by your spirit to help us help us sing your praises. Lord, we give you thanks and we ask for your help in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, the Psalms are really a songbook. It's kind of like this. Does anybody familiar with one of these, maybe from your past church experience? This is a Presbyterian hymnal from 1955 that one of my college professors gave to me when I graduated college. Um, If you grew up in a church. With one of these, you probably remember that when you when you got to church on a Sunday morning, there would be like a bulletin, and then it would have the hymns listed in it. Or, if you went to a church like the one I attended, uh, you'd walk in. and They had one of those signs on the walls that had the little sliding numbers, and they would have the numbers of the hymns on there, right along with like last week's attendance and how much money people gave in the offering, right? So the Psalms basically function in the same way as this. It the Psalms are a hymn book. It's 150 sets of lyrics that are used for corporate worship. Now, there's a glaring difference between what you find in the Psalms and what you find in the hymn book. Anybody familiar with a hymn book would know that if you open this thing up and you know how to play the piano, the music's right there and you can play right along with it. Not so in the Psalms. But that's actually a good thing because Scripture was given to us to reveal God to all people in all places and at all times. And you probably realize that music isn't the same in all places all over this world, and it certainly has changed over millennia. So the fact that the Psalms don't have real music, like written music in the Bible, means that those lyrics have been adaptable to every culture throughout all time. So I don't wanna to spend too much time on like trivial knowledge about this book, but I do think it's, it's helpful Uh, just to put things in context to sort of understand where we're going. So here's just some information about the book of Psalms. First of all, there are 150 Psalms. 73 of them were written by a very musical shepherd who became the king of Israel named David. Two of them were written by his son Solomon. One, the oldest Psalm, was written by Moses Twelve were written by the family of a man named Asaph. Eleven were written by the sons of Korah. One was written by, I think his name is pronounced Haman. I really want to pronounce it He-Man. But strangely enough, I looked at it's Psalm 88, and there's a verse in Psalm 88 that says, I have no strength left in me. So it's probably not He-Man, right? Um, one was written by Ethan the Ezraite, and 49 of them are unattributed. So they probably were written at least some of those 49 by some of these same people, but we don't know. They were not all originally written as lyrics. They weren't intended to be song lyrics. Some of them were written just as poetry. So if you need a kind of an idea in your mind to process how that works, consider our national anthem, the Star Spangled Banner. We've probably sung it or heard it sung hundreds, if not thousands of times. But do you know that it was originally written as a poem called The Defense of Fort McHenry? And it was set to a piece of music. The music wasn't even written for that poem, it was set to a piece of music that already existed. And get this the piece of music was called To Anacreon in Heaven. Anacreon was a poet in Greece who wrote poems about excessive eating and drinking. And so there was a society in London, a group of people who got together, and you can imagine what they got together to do to excessively eat and drink, and they sang songs, and this was the melody of our national anthem was from their society's theme song. They took the poem, they took the song, they fit together. It's our national anthem. Okay. The psalms were written over the course of a thousand years and they weren't compiled into the book that we know of as the Psalms until after the exile from Babylon, somewhere around 537 B.C. The, the language of the Psalms would have originally been Hebrew, but translated over time into a variety of languages. First of all, Greek. In fact, the, words, the word Psalm itself is a Greek word, and it literally means a song sung with a harp. So if anyone plays the harp... You're in good, (laughs) we need you on the worship team, all right, to sing the Psalms. So that's kind of, that puts it in context for you of what this book is all about and what we're dealing with. It's basically the hymn book of the Bible. Now, with that in mind, here's what I want to cover today. I want to answer three questions as we prepare ourselves for this short series over the next couple of weeks. The first question is, what do the Psalms include? Then what do the Psalms do? And finally, where are the psalms taking us? What do the psalms include? What do the psalms do? And where are the psalms taking us? So what do the psalms include? Well, I don't want to only give you a list. I am going to give you a little bit of a list. But to answer that question, I really want to clarify what the word singing means in the title of this series. This this series is Singing Through Every Season. And I want to clarify... What that means, because <clears throat> if you heard that title, if you were, t- you may have been tempted to believe, and, and, and I wouldn't blame you because it kind of sounds like that, you may be tempted to think that what we're going to teach is that in, no matter what's happening to you in your life, you should just have a big smile on your face as you sing praises to the Lord no matter what hardship or anything that you're going through. It kind of sounds like that, singing through every season. And that may be the case a lot of the times in your life. The Lord will work in our hearts and reveal His goodness to us. And in the face of a lot of trial, you can be singing with joy to the Lord. And that's really, really good. But if you read through the Psalms, which I hope you do a lot over the next couple of weeks because we're not going to cover all 150 of them. When you read through the Psalms, you're going to see that the authors of the Psalms give full voice to what they are feeling When they wrote them. And sometimes what they're feeling is really tragic. All right, feelings are real and emotions are a gift. And while we ought to be led by the truth of God's word, we were created by Him to have emotions. And the Psalms show us that we can bring every feeling and every emotion to the Lord. Some of you are familiar with a ministry called uh, Desiring God. It's uh, John Piper's ministry out of Minneapolis. Um, I use that as a resource sometimes when I'm preparing for a message and I was looking around at a, a variety of articles and old sermons and I found kind of a Cliff Notes version of a sermon that was taught in like the 1980s or something about the Psalms. And it had this following array of emotions that are covered somewhere in the Psalms. Now listen to this, this is all in the Psalms somewhere. Loneliness, love, awe, sorrow, regret, contrition, discouragement, turmoil, shame, exaltation, marveling, delight, joy, gladness, fear, anger, peace, grief, desire, hope, brokenheartedness, gratitude, zeal, confidence, and pain. That is a wide range, right? Let me, let me read to you just a few tiny little examples. Psalm twenty-five sixteen says, I am lonely and afflicted. Psalm 31, 10 says, my life is spent with sorrow. Remember, these would have been sung. We're hearing these as words that I'm speaking to you, but remember that these would have been people singing this to the Lord. Psalm 118, 23 says, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Psalm 4.8, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. Psalm 69.29, I am afflicted and in pain. And Psalm 33.22, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. That is an extremely broad range of expression of feeling and emotion. Okay, so when we say, that we're singing through every season in that title, we're not talking about just forcing a smile on your face all the time, okay? Instead, I'd like us to consider that the word singing in singing through every season means two things. First of all, singing means literally singing. It's simple. It just means singing. We were created, commanded, and compelled to sing. Let me say that again. We were created, commanded, and compelled to sing. Psalm 98.4 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Did you hear that it said all the earth? All the earth. That phrase means everything that exists in this place that the Lord created, and He created everything in this place. He created you and me. He created the horn that's blowing next door while the fire drill happens. He he created you and I. So when He says all the earth, we are under the umbrella of that all the earth, that all created beings that are commanded to make a joyful noise to the Lord. You and I are created to sing. And do you hear in that same scripture, the command. It says, make a joyful noise. You can read that as, hey, you, make a joyful noise. And there's no indication in that first phrase that you have to be good at it to do it, which is a good thing because not everybody's as good at it as everybody else. But that's not the point. The point is we're commanded to sing. We're commanded, again, lots of places in the psalm, but another place... Is in Psalm 149. It says, Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. You can hear that praise the Lord as praise be to the Lord, or you can hear it as, Hey you, praise the Lord. You personally sing to the Lord a new song. You personally. Sing His praise in the assembly of the godly. So we are commanded to sing as well. And you're going to hear later that we're compelled to sing. The second thing that I think singing means in this series is I want you to hear that word singing as making an appeal to the Lord. When I hear the word appeal, my mind goes right to like court proceedings, right? You know, in a court of law. So thankfully, I've never been in this situation, but if you're in a courtroom and the verdict doesn't turn out exactly the way you want it to, you can appeal the decision to a higher court. And if it still doesn't work out, you can appeal the decision to a higher court. But the idea, I mean, this appealing to the Lord isn't necessarily a a legal thing, but the idea that I want you to hear is you're always appealing to a higher authority. And when you appeal to the Lord, you're appealing to the highest authority that there is. So when we consider singing in any season, in any emotional state of our hearts, in any feeling that we're feeling, we can hear that as appealing to the Lord, recognizing Him as the highest authority that there is. And so that means whether you are appealing to Him in thankfulness or fear, whether you're appealing to him in praise or shame, either way, you are calling out to the highest authority from a place of humility. So I want you to consider that as we go on. Um, What do the Psalms include? They include this wide range of emotion and feeling. And when we talk about singing, we're talking about literally singing and we're talking about appealing to the highest authority, no matter what we're feeling at the moment. And here's the good news. When we do that, when we appeal to the Lord, it says this in Psalm 145, He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Isn't that a beautiful thing? When we appeal to the Lord, when we sing out to Him, He's not deaf to our cries. He hears us and saves us. Amen? So, that brings us then to the second question. What do the Psalms do? What do the Psalms do? What do they accomplish in our lives as we engage with them? Well, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. We know that that is true. So, maybe we can, I don't know, adapt this question a little bit and think, what type of teaching or training are the Psalms doing in our lives? Okay? Well, first I want to say I'm, I'm really encouraged. I don't know if you are, but from that last point, what the Psalms include, I'm really encouraged that there's this super wide range of emotion and feeling that is... is is kind of acceptable because we see it in the Psalms. And that encourages me because I imagine I'm not the only one who, in this room who feels like I've probably experienced all 25 of those feelings at some point in my life. And when I am experiencing, when I personally am feeling kind of the harder ones, you know, the, the shame and the regret and the contrition, those are the times in my life when I don't feel like singing. You know, I just don't want to. And I don't feel like appealing to the Lord. I'd rather just kind of sit and pity myself, you know? That's, I'm, maybe I'm the only one. I'll take your laughter as that's probably not true, okay? But when we do, when we actually do in those times appeal to the Lord and reach out to Him in singing, the promise that all Scripture, all scripture is profitable for us, the promise of that is fulfilled. Because the Lord takes that promise and He takes our appeal and He does something in our lives. He trains us. He, he makes that call profitable to us. He molds us and shapes us. He doesn't leave us where we are. I think I used this in a sermon a couple of years ago, but it's so good. I'm going to use it again. in the In the introduction to the Psalms in the ESV study Bible, there's this great description, which says it so much better than I ever could. It says, these songs cover a wide range of experiences and emotions and give God's people the words to express these emotions and to bring these experiences before God. That's good. We just talked about that. At the same time, the Psalms do not just express emotions. When sung in faith, they actually shape the emotions of the godly the emotions are therefore not a problem to be solved, but are part of the raw material of now fallen humanity that can be shaped to good and noble ends. How many times in our lives have we heard or thought or been told that emotions are a problem to be solved? You know, like I know I've felt that way. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't, but What we see in the Psalms, that emotions are part of the raw material that the Lord uses as we appeal to Him to shape us into noble ends. And that fills me with hope because I need to be shaped. And the Lord promises that He's going to shape every believer. In Philippians 1, it says, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you, all, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the verse, first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's what he does through the Psalms. And you may say, well, doesn't he do that with all of scripture? Yes, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. But when I read that passage we just read from Philippians, that's Paul writing, I kind of feel like it's a bit vague. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna complete this good work. Well, what is the good work and what does it it mean to have it be completed in us? What is that gonna look like? Like, come on, Paul, I need more specifics. I I wanna know more. What's it gonna look like? What I would really love is a metaphor to help me wrap my mind around what my life is going to look like as I engage with the Psalms. Well, good news, the book of Psalms starts with a perfect metaphor for how your life is going to look as it's shaped by His Word. Psalm 1 says this, "'Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers,' But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now let's pause there for a minute. When you hear that first part, blessed is the man who does all those things, I want you to hear, blessed is the man who appeals to the Lord as the highest authority. Blessed is the man who appeals to the Lord as the highest authority, because that person in every situation... In the high situations, in the low situations, does not follow worldly counsel, does not fall for the temptation to sin, does not scoff at the Lord and the goodness that we've seen from him, but instead appeals to the Lord as the highest authority. And then it goes on like this. Here's, here's the metaphor. For those of you who love English, this is I think technically not a metaphor, it's a simile, but It's this, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. So think about that, let's pause again. As our emotions are brought to the Lord in an appeal, he shapes us and he shapes us into this picture of a healthy tree that is by a stream, which means it's well-fed. So we become these robust trees that are healthy and steady and steadfast and spiritually well-fed and prepared to meet trials. Maybe we sway in the wind a bit, but we don't get knocked over. That's the beautiful picture that happens to us as the Lord is shaping our lives through the Psalms. And then Psalm 1 finishes like this, the wicked are not so, they're not like those trees, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The Lord leads us, those who have believed and trusted in his name, he leads us on righteous paths. He leads us on righteous paths. In other words, in every season, in every season of our lives, the Psalms give voice to our singing and our appealing. Our hearts, which include our emotions, are shaped and His Word abides in us. His Word abides in us. And then Jesus' words in John fifteen eight are fulfilled in our lives. It says, Jesus says this, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So as we're shaped into these beautiful pictures of these steadfast, strong trees, we bear fruit and the Lord is glorified. Amen? And then finally, the last question, where are the Psalms taking us? Where are the Psalms taking us? Well, let's go back two years. In August of 2020, I taught a two-week series called Inside Out Worship. And I'm sure as I say that, just like all the memories come back, you remember all the points I taught, right? Just like it was yesterday. Now, let me jog your memory a bit. There were a lot of points, but there were three I want to remind you of from that two-week series that I think are applicable to answering this question. So first of all, one point that you may remember is worship, because remember that series was on worship. Worship must begin in the heart, all right? The Lord is always interested in our hearts. That's why when he was challenged uh, and someone asked him, Lord, what is, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? His answer was, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He's far less interested in actions that are, you know, morally right, or we seem are, we think are appropriate, but they're not born out of a heart that loves the Lord. That's why scriptures say, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. That's a bad thing, right? The Lord wants our hearts. That's what he's interested in. The other point I want to remind you of is that we must worship in spirit and in truth. And we could go on about that for a long, long time. But fundamentally, it at least means this. We need to be born again. We have to be a new creation. In order to worship the Lord the way He has called us to worship Him, we have to be first made new by Him. And we also have to have an accurate view of who He is. Because we are made to be worshipers. We worship lots of things that we give our attention to. But if we're worshiping the Lord, we want to make sure that we're worshiping the Lord in truth, and we have a true picture of who He is and what He requires of us. And then another point was we talked about lots of ways to cultivate worship, but one that I want to remind us about today is one way to cultivate worship is praise. There are many ways to cultivate worship. Two years ago, we talked about submission and sacrifice and service, and proclamation, but the Psalms, that's our series for the next couple of weeks, the Psalms are guiding us toward a very particular type of worship cultivation called praise. And when we worship, we worship in lots of ways, and we do those lots of ways individually and collectively, but praise is this unique thing that we set aside time for every Sunday morning to do collectively. We just did that this morning. It wasn't it great, you know, like we set this time aside to sing the praises of God together as his children. Now, let's think about that a minute. We already established from that silly game at the beginning of the sermon that, musical, that music is a, a powerful thing in our lives. It has a, has a huge effect on us. Um, I think all of us probably have a massively varied preference as to what we like to listen to in music, but I bet all of us would agree that when we listen to music at times, maybe not all the times, because sometimes I listen to it passively, but... I think we'd all agree that it affects our emotions. You know, like sometimes we listen to it because we're feeling a certain way. Sometimes we're listening to it and we start feeling a certain way. Like music just affects us, right? My son Henry and I sat in his room last night and played a tune just because it sounded awesome, you know? And at the end, we were like way excited about this. You know, like music has an effect about us, on us. So let's think about this. When we combine the singing, like the literal singing, and remember, psalm means song sung with a harp. When we combine that literal singing with appealing to the Lord as the highest authority, it's like this superpower happens in our lives. Like something happens that we could never accomplish on our, on our own. It's this cycle that starts with shaping our hearts. The Lord takes that emotion and He takes that appeal and He takes that singing and He starts to shape our hearts. And that shaping of the heart bears the fruit of praise to His name. And that praising of His name cultivates worship in our hearts, which brings about the singing and the appealing and the shaping of our emotions and our hearts, which bears the fruit of praise, which leads to the cultivation of worship. And it's this cycle that just keeps going and going and going as we're strengthened in the Lord. It's an amazing thing. It's something we could never, ever accomplish on our own, but He does it through the Psalms in our lives. And here's where we end up. We talked about this picture of this tree. That was Psalm 1 let's look at the opposite bookend. Psalm 150. This is where we end up. Praise the Lord with an exclamation point, you know? Praise the Lord. Where should we praise the Lord? Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. How should we praise the Lord? Praise Him, or I'm sorry, why should we praise the Lord? Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. How should we praise the Lord? Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Who should praise the Lord? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but we just went through a big long list of instruments that are how we, that sounds awful to me. Like those instruments, like that, that group of instruments sounds like it would be a horrible racket, right? I'm a music teacher. That's my job most of the time. And I don't know what your picture of school is like in your head, But, you know, I think we oftentimes think of school as like you come into the classroom, you sit down, you get out your books, you listen to the teacher teach, you work on your activities. The kids who come to my class show up intending to make a lot of noise. And they do make a lot of noise, right? They would fail my class if they didn't make a lot of noise. So when I read through all of those instruments, especially the part about loud clashing cymbals, that gives me the shivers, right? But that's not the point, That's not the point of this. I mean, we can talk about it. It's true that we can praise the Lord with instruments. That's true. But I think the point of this, when we think about where the the Psalms are taking us, is that we need to praise Him with everything we've got. Praise Him with everything we've got. So my hope for you in the coming weeks, and, and not just as we cover these few sermons in the Psalm series, I'm hoping that you'll explore this hymn book on, on your own. But as you do that, I want you to put yourself in the place of the psalmist. And that's, a, that's an important skill to kind of develop as you're reading the psalms because it's not like other books in the Bible where you have this narrative that goes from beginning to end that's kind of all knit together. Each psalm is kind of like its individual thing. So as you're reading each psalm, put your place put yourself in the place of the psalmist who wrote that psalm as you're reading it. And some of them, as you read them, will resonate with you with where you are in your life right now, wherever that is. You'll read one and you'll be like, yep, I totally relate right now. Some of them won't. But if they don't, try to remember a time in your life that they did. And imagine yourself calling out to the Lord, appealing to the Lord in that time of joy or in that time of sorrow like you're reading in the Psalms. And imagine what that would do as the Lord is shaping you through giving voice to that emotion in the Psalms. I hope that you will see the miraculous shaping of your heart that turns you toward praise and cultivates worship, which shapes your heart. I hope you experience that cycle that we talked about. No matter what season you're in. I don't know how many people are in this room, but we probably have that many different seasons that you're all in right now. So I'm going to just finish with one thing. The band can start coming up. Um, I love that we had a couple of people share this morning. Mark shared, a few people shared at the mic, and uh, several of the things that they shared were right from the Psalms, which was great. One of the things that Lynn, I think it was, said is, man, if you don't know the Lord, don't wait. Don't wait. Turn to the Lord, okay? And I don't want it to I don't want a sermon to go by without saying this. If you don't know the Lord, let me appeal to you that you need him. If you don't know him, here's the hard truth that you are lost in your sin because of the fall of man. And you don't need just like a self-improvement plan. You need to be completely made over. You need to be a completely new creation. Because we serve a just and righteous God, and He will not allow any sin to go unpunished. There is coming a time when He will judge the world. And I don't mean that just like philosophically. He is going to judge individuals. You will stand before the Lord and give an account. But the good news is Christ died for every sin that you have committed that would rightly Judge you poorly, to put it lightly. He purchased full righteousness for you. He took on all the penalty that you deserved. And only when you acknowledge your sin and turn from your sin and call on Him will you be saved. And I encourage you to do that right now. Don't let a minute go by. And if you do know Him, if you've already experienced all of that, like Lynn did 50 years ago, don't you want to sing to Him in praise? Isn't he worthy of it? Isn't he worthy just looking at the things he's done for you in your life and the way he's shaped your heart? So let's stand and pray, and then let's sing his praises mightily because he is worthy of it. Lord Jesus, we are thankful to you this morning. We are thankful that you are worthy of all of our praise, Lord, and we ask that you would help us every moment, and especially in the coming weeks as we study your songbook, to turn our hearts toward you, Lord. Lord, I'd like to pray in view of Psalm 5 where it says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exalt in you. Lord Jesus, help us to exalt in you. We ask it in your mighty name. Amen.